Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we have Brett Alexander from Alexander Sport Fishing Guide Service out on Green Bay, Wisconsin. We've had Brett on the show a bunch of times before, a man that needs very little introduction. He's been in the industry a long time. He was a full-time fishing guide and outfitter, but also collaborating with all uh, all the biggest names in content whether it's tv you find all kinds of, of stuff that brett's been involved in or collaborated with on youtube you know article writing we've had him on the podcast a bunch of times he, brett's been around for a long time and he's very generous with his time and his information and i just I, I'm, I'm always so thankful for that it really doesn't matter how long a days he's guiding it doesn't matter how busy he is if i ever hit him up to have, uh, you know, asking for the opportunity to have him on the show. He always makes time for it. And I just want to give him props uh, to being one of the nicest, uh, hardest working individuals in the industry. And uh, this interview is absolutely another example of that because I know Brett guiding a whole bunch uh, the last few days leading up to this interview. And he guided a full day and got off the water and wasn't off the water for minutes and gave me a call and we did the interview and I tell you what that's the kind of uh, dedication and generosity that you don't find everywhere and also it is some of the realest rawest uh, newest information you can get and that's what the show is all about it's it's a walleye and a muskie update from Green Bay Wisconsin Brett looks back on this season we talk about uh, you know how this year has went and the conditions over there in Green Bay and and also the things that are just happening right now Again, walleyes and muskies, Brett does it all over there. And uh, yeah, just another great episode full of great information from one of the best that does it over there, Brett Alexander, Alexander Sport Fishing Guide Service. Let's get to it. If you have any fishing memory or a fish that you would like to commemorate with a replica or you have questions about getting fish replicas done, reach out to Jamie Rizavi from Rizavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work here at the JMO headquarters. We are blessed to have so many replicas made by Jamie. Reach out. You can find them on social media or online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com. The link is in the description of this podcast. This summer, what was the walleye bite like this summer out for there for you? Yeah, you know, right around uh, the end of June, um, everything set up like out in the mud off of uh, out on the west shore and on some of the reefs. Um, we fished like over by Econo quite a bit, but there was a good pile of fish that rolled in. Um, you know, we caught them on all the different tactics. We caught them a lot. You know, throwing uh, jigging wraps and shiver minnows, um, a lot of a lot of fish on spoons this year, and the trolling bite with cranks was really really good. Also, um, we had you know really really good numbers of fish. There's a, a really good pot of fish in that like 18 to 22 inch range. So that's a, a lot of times what we'll target that time of year because a lot of people want to come here for either size fish. Sure. Um, but then again, we also had have spots where, where we were getting some big walleyes when I, we had the guys that wanted to target big fish. Um, all by the islands, by Chambers, and uh, Adventure and Hat Island and that stuff up by Sturgeon Bay has been really good. Right on, man. Like, you know, if you were to look back on this season, like, was there any – 
you know, any conditions or, you know, just whether it's weather patterns or just anything interesting that sort of described or, or was sort of like, you know, the main topic of conversation for the fishing this year? Well, you know, on Green Bay, it's always when you get the good stable weather patterns, that's always the best bite. Um, when you get a big body of water, like, like we have here, the worst thing that can happen to us is like a big north or a northeast blow because that'll blow down or suck down all that Lake Michigan cold water. Um, so when that happens, that tends to shut them down for, you know, sometimes two, three, four, five days, you know, depending on how, how fast that water stabilizes in temperature. It basically will push them out deep and they go belly to the bottom and you really got to slow down on your tactics and go to more of a, a jigging presentation to get, you know, get more fish to eat. At that time, the trolling doesn't seem to work as good when that happens. You know, talking about those tough days, tell me about that. Like, like when you kind of see that or when that weather starts happening, right, when that cold water's getting blown in, you can probably just watch the weather on your cell phone and know that that's about to happen or going to happen. You get out there the next day and the conditions are are like that. I mean, how does that change? You know, you mentioned the presentations kind of change, but like, Overall, like the big picture, how does that change? Do you try to drive around a little bit more and locate those fish? Are you, um, you know, or are they so belly to the bottom you can't see them and you just got to slow down and fish? Tell me a little bit about, you know, maybe some more details on those tougher days. Yeah, you know, when you get those big water temperature swings, um, the first, first most important thing is finding where the fish move to. Typically, it'll bump them out deeper. Um, they'll drop down close to the bottom. So your first, you know, the first thing I do is locate them with my electronics. Then, you know, you can, then you can start picking the piece, you know, picking apart the puzzle. And, you know, really the main thing to me is when that happens, you gotta really slow down your presentations. If, you know, they don't want anything aggressive. They're not going to, come up and, and chase a crankbait that's up too high. You got to put it in front of their face, slow it down. Um, you know, that basically what happens is they get cold, they get lethargic and they don't want to move very fast. Um, you just got to, you got to keep that in your head and just keep telling yourself, slow it down, you know, work deeper, get it closer to them in front of their face. You know, you know, talking about the patterns and everything, you know, you're kind of talking about, uh, you know, things getting going on the West shore. I mean, talk a little bit about those, those, the natural fish movements and the, and migrations and just, you know, as that open water season goes along. Yeah. You know, it always starts where a lot of fish are in the tributaries, like the Fox river is a big one. There's a pile of fish that go in the Fox, you know, they'll, they'll funnel out of the Fox in, in late May. They typically will like to go and set up in some of the shallower um, sandbar areas and stuff where the water warms a little bit quicker at that time. Um, so they're typically pretty shallow on those sandbars and then they'll progressively typically move to the north from there. Um, a lot of fish will go out and set what we call the mud. Um, they'll set up out there just because we've got a lot of bait that sets up up in like early June to mid June you get a huge push of alewife that come out of the Lake Michigan side into the bay. And I think those fish will set up on those fish out in the mud. And uh, 
you know, that'll start usually around like mid to late June. Um, and then that there again, also, I think a lot of fish that come out, out of the Menominee and O'Connell and Pesigo like to go. And there's an area called the O'Connell Shoal up by O'Connell. So there's always a big push of fish that'll set up on the O'Connell Shoal and out on Young's Reef. Um, that's more of a structure area than that, than what the mud is, but there's always a lot of bait fish and uh, stuff for those fish to eat. So that's one of their favorite spots to set up, you know, and then on the East shore, it's kind of the same thing. They, they'll work that East shore of Green Bay all the way up towards Sturgeon Bay. And there's always a push of fish that, you know, from like the Fox that are typically moving to the North. Um, but that bite was a little tougher this year. That East Shore bite wasn't that great. Um, we did good early in the year, but it kind of fizzled out in like June and July, and I spent most of my time on the west side. Right on, man. I mean, you know, the other thing that I feel like, you know, when you think about Green Bay, but, you know, for me, when I'm paying attention to walleye fishing all across, you know, the Midwest, it's like in the summertime, you know, like, late July and August, that can be a really tough time. I mean, I have conversations on here all the time, you know, just trying to figure out how to catch these tougher fish because in the summer they've got so much to eat. You know, thinking about like, you know, Minnesota, uh, even in the Dakotas, like these fish, their metabolism's high and they're probably eating a lot, but they also have more available to them to eat than any other time of year. I mean, it's just everything's so fertile, everything's so alive, and and it spreads fish out like – Tell me about why it is like if I'm on social media, it's like this time of year, I see more big fish coming out of Green Bay than anywhere else. Like, like what's going on out on Green Bay that makes it so good this time of year when a lot of other places can be considered really tough this time of year? Yeah, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but I can tell you that it's very consistent through the years that July and August is the best time to walleye fish on Green Bay. I know other bodies of water like Winnebago, when Green Bay gets really good, when Winnebago shuts down, um, Winnebago bites really good in like June. And then, uh, you know, that's our toughest month on Green Bay is June and then July and August. You know, there's just huge pods of fish that sit up in certain areas. So it just makes them pretty easy to catch here. Um, you know, I, I don't have a rhyme or reason behind it, but it just happens every year at that time. You know, and then the fall bite continues to be really good, too. But you get a, a lot of fish that will start making a transition into the tributaries, you know, already in, in uh, like, mid-September. And then the Fox River gets really, really good. Um, September, October, November, I spend a lot of time in there. And they're just chasing bait, I imagine? Yeah, I think they're chasing bait, you know, following bait. We get a big push of shad that comes down into the lower bay and goes into the Fox River, usually around that September, October time frame. So I think there's a pile of fish that follow that, that shad movement that comes down here. It just sucks a lot of fish in. And, you know, it's a perfect wintering ground, like in the Fox, because you got a lot of deep basin areas in there. And then you also got the shallower sandbars where they like to come up and feed. So it's just just a perfect storm for them to, to go in there and, and in the fall and then they winter in there during the winter. Looking back in history, I mean, you've been around a while. You've been fishing over there for a while. Like, like where does it stack up? Where does the walleye fishing stack up right now? Like, in you know, looking over the, you know, kind of the mid to long-term uh, past history, uh, you know, what's the, you know, where would you rank the walleye fishing out there right now? 
I mean, right now, as of today, I think you've got a super solid fishery. Um, the only thing I have some some worries about is what we're going to have in like that three to five year range, just because I'm not seeing a lot of small fish in our fishery right now. So our last like two to three year um, time frame, we haven't had a lot of good hatches. You know, I'm not seeing those. 10 to 14 inch walleyes that we typically catch a lot of. Um, so I think everybody needs to, to remember that, you know, and watch that fishery and, and try to, uh, to watch the balance and release some fish if you have to, you know, because it's, I think we're going to feel those effects here coming up in three, four or five years, just because there's, there's not any small fish, you know, backing up this huge pot of, you know, 18 to 24 inch fish that we have now. What were the conditions like for the spawn this year? Um, conditions seem fine, but I think the years where, where we didn't have um, good spawning was the years when we had the really, because we had really high water for like five, four, five, six years ago, super high water. And something with that high water seems to me that um we didn't get good spawn out of that high water time i don't know why you'd think that high water you'd actually have better spawning because it's got you know creating more habitat new habitat for them yeah um but to me it seems like that high water time where you know we were higher than ever recorded in history i think right towards the end of it but now um now it dropped down we lost about three and a half to four feet of water in the last two years in green day so yeah, Mother Nature definitely has a has a grip on a lot of this stuff. Like it's kind of the she's kind of the uh, end all be all. Yeah, man. I mean, any any stories or any anything anything in particular from this summer's walleye fishing while we're still talking about it? Like, um, just you know, that was a really good bite, and you know, it still is. Um, we're still in in the heyday, you know, where where the uh, the numbers of fish are really good every day. Um, no, nothing, nothing different from this year from the last like two, three years. It's just the fish are getting, you know, that big pot of fish that we have is getting bigger. So you're seeing a lot of, lot more, you know, better size fish. Um, you know, I'm kind of in my musky mode right now. I kind of switched gears, so I'm doing a lot of musky stuff um, the past few weeks. So I'm kind of stepping from walleyes to muskies now and switching gears. You know, your fall musky fishing starts already. I mean, we're talking, having this conversation and it's still August and uh, you're getting on the big muskies, man. Like, when do you start booking those trips? What is that bite like? I typically start booking musky trips right around the 1st of July. That's when the cabbage weed, you know, is starting to grow pretty good. As soon as the weeds are up, you know, those fish will be in there. Um, so that early... July time is always really good because those fish are unpressured. They haven't seen baits for a long time. They're just pushing into the weeds. Um, and then the, the weed bite is really good all of July, August, September, and even into early October. Once once the cabbage weed starts to get that brown tint to it and start dying a little bit, those fish will push off the weeds pretty quick. Um, and that's when we have a big, the big shad movement that comes down also. So a lot of those fish, I think, We'll follow those shad down and you know to the Fox River and Lower Bay, Green Bay, and uh, then we'll start our more you know of our 
trolling trips and we do a lot of trolling at that time just because those fish are spread out and you're not sitting on any structure or anything like that so we're just covering water then but right now it's pretty much all casting you know i prefer to cast from this time of year um the bite's been really really good this year um i was out today with a group of guys um and we had we were three for five this morning um had the same group of guys for the past few days here and um, we were out a couple of days ago and the guys got a 56 by 24 and a half so that's in my book that's a pretty mega giant out of green bay but it's been good a lot of a lot of big fish and in good numbers that day we had four we went four for six that day so it's been a pretty solid bite and a lot a lot of fish are showing up in the weeds now so it's it's good If you have any fishing memory or a fish that you would like to commemorate with a replica or you have questions about getting fish replicas done, reach out to Jamie Rizzavi from Rizzavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work here at the JMO headquarters. We are blessed to have so many replicas made by Jamie. Reach out. You can find them on social media or online at RizzaviTaxidermyStudio.com. The link is in the description of this podcast. Walk me through like a standard day. Like, how do you like? How do you? What you strategize that? I mean, are you just uh, going through spots, or are you fishing areas, and you know, just spending a lot of time casting? Like, walk me through some of your strategy there. You know, working through your where you're at. Yeah, we've got you know, there's not a ton of spots with cabbage on game day, so there's like you know, four really good spots. So it's a lot of. You know, looking at the winds the day prior, knowing how those fish are going to set up. And then, you know, a lot of times I'll just spend my whole day on that piece of structure just because they're, they're big areas. Um, you know, and then you just dissect it. You look at the winds, the way the wind's blowing in on the flats. Um, you know, and do start out as you, you would, you know, in history where they normally set up and just use your electronics. You use your electronics a ton, must be fishing to find them. Um, then once you locate them, you, you basically just grinding on those fish and waiting for your windows. And um, like today, they they fed pretty early right away, and then it was quiet for a while, and then they turned back on. And you know, we had all of our action within like two 20-minute periods, and boated three fish and lost two. And you know, we saw probably I don't know six or seven other fish caught by other anglers that were out there during those periods too. So it's just being in the right spot at the right time, using your electronics, knowing where you know find finding the fish, knowing where they're sitting in the weeds, and just working in those specific spots and waiting for those windows to happen where they turn on and start feeding. I mean, are are all those fish? You know, are you able to find fish on your electronics pretty much all the time? I mean, is there ever a scenario where you see all the other elements, you know, like it's just a good spot, it's got the right weeds, it's got the right structure, maybe you've caught fish there in the past. Like, do you ever just fish a spot before you see them on electronics, or is that like is that like the key for you is to find them first? Yeah, you know, the key is definitely to find them, but a lot of times after sometimes you just have to fish an area to, to figure it out because if they're in the heavy weeds, like the heavy cabbage, you're not going to see them on your electronics. So when I'm looking for them, what I'm doing is working, 
you know, the edge of the weeds where you get the sand pockets and stuff like that. So I'll start out in those areas, figure out where the majority of fish are laying on the flats. And then, uh, you know, then you're fishing a lot of weed stuff that you can't visually see them with your electronics and you just have to fish them. But you want to kind of pinpoint, you know, by working the edges and figuring out, you know, where generally they're laying. And then, you know, you work that edge and then you also work the heavy weed areas where you can't see with your electronics. So, I mean, I'm assuming you're using a variety of presentations. Walk me through that part of your process. Yeah, typically, um, you know, Green Bay is a big blade bite, so we throw a ton, a ton of blades here. But if I see the fish, you know, pushing out of the weeds and going out in the deeper sand edges, that those are the days when, you know, I'll grab my bag dogs or something and, and throw some rubber out on those deeper edges. But typically in, in my boat, what I do is if they're in the weeds and I know they're there, it's going to be a blade bite. Just because blades are easy to work through with the cabbage, we can keep them up higher. Um, you know, you're burning them up in that top 12 inches of the water column just to stay out. You know, otherwise you get down in the weeds and you're you're going to be gunked up every cast. But um, the only the only main times I use the rubber and, and stuff like that or cranks is when they push off the weeds during you know, and you see that happen during cold fronts a lot. Um, or if you get a ton of pressure in an area and a lot of boats buzz around their bow mounts that can definitely push them off the edges and, and push them all deeper. And those are the times where I'll switch over to rubber quite a bit. Not saying that rubber doesn't work in the weeds because it surely does. It's just tough to work it sometimes when you're in the cabbage. You know, you're always getting down in there. Then if you're throwing like a heavy bulldog or something, just because you get more depth out of that bait. Are you, are you utilizing forward sonar at all? Um, I have it, but I haven't been utilizing it yet just because I'm pretty old school and I like to fish, fish for muskies. Um, there are some guys that are, are using, uh, you know, your live scopes and stuff like that. Um, but I have not switched over to doing that and I'm probably going to stay more old school than anything. Cause I, I really enjoy the hunt and I think that's why a lot of guys musky fish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like any fishing. It's like, you know, visually visualizing how you like to have success, I think is important. And then just fish that way. Yeah. You know, that's not just a musky thing. It's like, there's just some things that I just like to catch them a certain way. And, and there's a lot of reward in that for sure. I'm just curious because, you know, there's just so, there's just so much learning going on with some of the electronics and it's like, you know, figuring out how they respond and, um, you know, the next question I was going to ask you along the lines of presentations is like for you with the muskies this time of year, are there any other fine details that you find to be really important that you have to break down each day, like size, color, you know, the cadence, the speed, like all those things? Like what are some of those fine details that you find to be important on some days? Oh, most definitely. I mean, muskies are, it's a huge, the color is a huge factor. So just knowing, you know, during your bright sunny days, what colors you throw during your cloudy days, like the last couple of days here, it's been cloudy. Everything's, all of our actions been on darker baits, you know, black on black, you know, black and cranberry, um, black and fire tiger. Um, you know, and you get those brighter sunny days, that's when you want to, just start throwing your more flashier colors, your chartreuses and whites and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, paying attention to those details is key, you know, and 
Yeah, you just learn with time on water and you know, logging logging what baits that you get, you know, on sunny days and cloudy days. But those are those are definitely big factors. I mean, when you're fishing those weed fish, how often are you getting them? You know, like with that reaction, right when you roll over their head, versus how often are they coming to the boat and getting them on a figure eight? You know, every body of water is different. Um, I hear guys talk about different bodies of water and how it's everything's on the eight. Um, Green Bay, I would say, if I had to put a percentage to it, I would say about 80% of our fish will eat out and about 20% at the boat on the eight. Um, Like the last three days, we boated uh four five six seven eight nine fish and one of them came off the eight and one of them came on the lift right at the boat otherwise everything else was way out quite a ways out so it's green bay it's when they want to eat they as soon as they see that bait they're eating it a lot of days um but you know these fish have a mind of their own i've seen it where some days everything's on the eight here um, but that's, you know, there's very few of those days, but the majority, like I said, about 80% I'll eat out, maybe 20 at the boat. Talk to me about your setups, you know, you, you know, and maybe we can just sort of pick sort of your bread and butter rod, reel, line, leader setup for that, that style of fishing. Well, the rods, I like the long, you know, long rod. I throw a lot of like nine, ten. Um, I like really like the Thorn Brother Predator rods, so that's what I use in my boat. Um, as far as reels, I mean, there's a lot of different reels out there that are good. Um, I specifically have started using the Tranks 400s, and I think that's you know a really, really good reel, and um, so that's what I'm throwing now is the Tranks 400 and Shimano. Do you feel like, I mean, are you particular at all about, uh, you know, your line, your leader material? I mean, I know that you know a lot of the musky guys have a lot of details kind of, you know, or opinions on a lot of those details and, and reasons why. I mean, you know, maybe you got some stories or something that uh, were kind of memorable to you that sort of really solidified, you know, some of the some of the decisions that you make on your gear. Well, as far as, like, line goes, I mean, it's definitely got to be a braid line. I particularly like suffix a lot myself. Um, and you want to have a minimum of at least an 80-pound test. So it's either 80 or 100-pound test. Um, you know, especially on Green Bay, we're dealing with some pretty big fish. And, you know, just have the right size leaders. You want at least 150 to 180-pound leader. Um, I like a shorter leader, like a six to eight inch leader. So you don't have to get real long with them. Otherwise it gets too hard to figure eight. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of good lines out there. It's just specifically what I like to use just cause I've had a lot of good luck with it. I, I got to try to get like a story or two out of you, or maybe if, even if it's not from this year, maybe from, you know, just from your career or just sort of accumulative stories over the years where you've learned a lot or figured some things out or just just some memorable or influential um you know times in your guiding career that uh that you remember about guiding muskies this time of year that you particularly like um well i mean as far as for things that happen where i i thought i've learned a lot probably one of the biggest factors is i i do a lot of filming with different tv shows and you know just 
through all these shows, they, they'll come in and they want to film a muskie show, but we have to use these baits in this presentation for the show because we're going to, you know, we're going to promote our sponsors. So it's, that has through the years forced me to try different, you know, baits and tactics and stuff because that's what they have to use for that show. So as far as learning, I've, I, I would say I've learned most of the stuff in the last, you know, what I didn't know growing up as a kid and fishing and learning from my parents, I'd say most of it I learned from having the film, you know, the shows and from filming with guys like Jason Mitchell and Doug Stangy. Those, you know, those guys are very influential and have taught me a ton in my career because, you know, they, they just force you to try different things and, you know, baits that I haven't used before. Um, Doug Stangy was the one that taught me how to work, a, uh, you know, a huge big swim baits, heavy swim baits for big walleyes years ago. And nobody was ever doing it out here. And he came in and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to film a big walleye show using this. And I was like, looked at him like, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> but you know, it, you, you put your, put yourself in that situation and you just start doing it and you figure out how to make those fish eat, how to, how to make that, that bait work to make them eat. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, this looks pretty good. And, you know, put another arsenal in your box. Yeah. 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 Kind of like for some of you guys that, you know, you're on the water every day, you probably in comparison to the average angler, you already try on a daily basis, way more than the average angler, but there's still those things that can kind of get you out of your comfort zone, um, which is a good thing as an angler. And it's harder and harder to achieve that once you've been fishing, you know, on a body of water, like, like you, as long as you've been fishing on green Bay, it's probably, there's not that many things, you know, left for you to try. And I, I love, that's a great story. I love that. And I can appreciate that because when we, you know, any time, we go somewhere, you know, to film and fish, you know, sometimes it comes up. Sometimes it's, you know, it's important for us to, you know, try to figure out a pattern that will work with a bait that is a sponsor, right? That's part of the industry. And it's not all the time. And, and, and usually, usually there's a good bait that's, that's right for that, but not always. Sometimes filming a TV show with lots of sponsors, uh, it makes it harder. You know, like that's probably part of the industry that people right. think people see somebody that's sponsored by all kinds of people and they think that that makes life, you know, so much easier and you're so privileged. But it's funny how behind the scenes that definitely um, can create uh, sometimes it, it uh, makes the situation a little bit more stressful uh, when you're trying to film something. But uh, no, man, that's good. That's really good stuff. In fact, you know, talking about Stangy f- catching big walleyes on big swim baits i feel like he was probably way ahead of his time with that because that is such a thing right now i'll tell you what that you know i've met a lot of people in this industry and one thing i could say about doug is that guy is pretty smart about fish i mean as far as like fish biology and i mean that that guy thinks more like a fish than anybody i've ever met (laughs) yeah yeah, I got I got to get him on here for sure, because I, I feel like all the stories that, you know, and, and looking back on a lot of that content, like there's a there's a few things. And I feel like that's one of the big ones, you know, upsizing big, bigger baits, especially those swim baits in the summertime for big walleyes when everybody thinks it's got to be ultra finesse and, you know, like a like a hot, flat, calm day. 
where, you know, everybody thinks you got a long line of a leech, you know, a mile behind the boat and, and, uh, got to go a super right. slow, you know, that guy, you know, he was doing that stuff that, that we're all obsessing over now, now that we have forward sonar and there's all these tournament anglers that are doing it out there. Like, yeah, he's definitely, uh, he definitely pioneered some stuff about, you know, a decade or two ahead of, ahead of its time. For sure, man. That's good. Yeah, good he, props. He sure has. I can tell you a little story about one time we were filming a show. I was filming with him, and we were up at Green Island, and we we got the fish pretty good on day one, and day two we couldn't get them to eat, and all of a sudden Stangy's up in the front of the boat, and he starts snapping this big swim bait. He was throwing a three-quarter ounce head, and uh, I think it was like a Berkeley Havoc. Um, and he's just ripping this thing like a madman. I'm like, what are you doing? And uh, he's like, I'm just trying this. Sometimes you really got to work it super aggressive and just make a meat. And all of a sudden he started catching fish. And I'm like, what in the heck are you doing? You're working it like a, like he's working a jerk bait super hard. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he was making a meat though, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff, I mean, yeah. And like, you know, you think about like 20 years ago, if you tried to catch walleyes or you tried to fish for walleyes outside of the norm or outside of the traditional way of thinking, it was so like, man, like you couldn't make friends that way. You know, like it was like people, you know, it's like, it was like taboo. And now it's a competition. Like everybody in the industry is trying to push the envelope in one direction or the other. Everybody's trying to do something, you know, everybody's trying to one up each other with how crazy they can get, be, you know, um, uh, to, to get big right. walleye seed out. Yeah, I, I think that is. Those stories are great, man. Those stories are great. Well, man, I don't know. Good stuff. Good update from you. Anything else from this year or anything that's going on right now that uh, that we should cover? I, I, I definitely want to ask you maybe a little bit of a fall preview, like what you kind of see coming up into this next season, uh, what you think the patterns are going to be like and how the fishing is going to be. Yeah, I think, you know, what I'm seeing already, there's a lot of fish already making moves early in the year. I think you're going to see a lot of lot of the walleyes pushing into tributaries early this year, um, just because I'm seeing some pretty big fish movements um, for this time of the year. Um, so, you know, don't rule out your tributaries if you're fishing Green Bay. Um you know, and as the water temperatures drop, just make sure you, you watch your presentations, slow things down a little bit when you get those cooling water times. Well, dude, this is good, man. I just, I'm glad to have your time and and uh, get a bit of an update from you and some good recommendations, you know, just talking about how you like to go about your business, man, with things that make you tick out there as a guide on Green Bay, day in and day out for all these years is all good stuff, man, so... I appreciate the time. We can we can sign it off, promote your stuff, promote, you know, if anybody has any questions or wants to uh, get a hold of you for any reason, uh, let them know where they can do that. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me. And if anybody needs to get a hold of me, uh, they can reach me on my website at www.alexandersportfishing.com or they can call me on my cell phone at 920-851-4214. That's it, man. I appreciate the time, Brett, and I'll let you back to it. Sounds good, bud. Thanks. Appreciate it. If you have any fishing memory or a fish that you would like to commemorate, 
with a replica or you have questions about getting fish replicas done, reach out to Jamie Rizzavi from Rizzavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work here at the JMO headquarters. We are blessed to have so many replicas made by Jamie. Reach out. You can find them on social media or online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com. The link is in the description of this podcast. 